everything was starting to come together. Things were really moving now. Six days earlier, Jesus had asked his disciples if they knew who he really was. And even though the crowd still didn't understand, Peter had put his finger right on the pulse of Jesus' identity. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, he said. Ever since that moment, Jesus had begun to speak more freely with his disciples about his plans and how God would use him to accomplish God's saving work in the world. These last six days had been a whirlwind. And now Jesus had invited Peter, James, and John, his very closest followers, to accompany him to the top of a holy mountain where they could pray together. Sure, they had prayed with each other plenty of times, but this invitation felt different. It seemed like Jesus was inviting these three to join him in his most intimate, most holy spiritual practices. And the disciples were not disappointed. Suddenly, as Jesus was praying, his skin began to give off its own radiant light, as if the sun itself had begun to shine from within him. His face was transfigured from its normal countenance into the very source of light itself. Basked in the stunning brightness emanating from Jesus, Peter and James and John looked up and saw Moses and Elijah standing there speaking with their teacher. Can you believe it, they said to themselves. Is this really happening to us? How is it that we were chosen to see his glory? Peter knew better than to let this moment pass by, having been given this astounding insight into Jesus' true nature and glowing with the warmth of this privileged moment. Peter inched over to Jesus and whispered, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Only say the word and I will build three booths, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and then you can dwell here forever. But before Jesus could answer, the bright cloud of the divine presence descended upon the mountaintop and the voice of the Almighty thundered at them, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. In an instant, the disciples' excitement evaporated. And an overwhelming fear gripped them. They fell down to the ground and hid their faces in the dirt, praying that this moment would pass them by without costing them their lives. They had under, underestimated the significance of this encounter and their own worthiness to receive it. But after only a moment, Jesus came and knelt down and touched them, saying, get up, do not be afraid. And when the disciples dared to look around, everything had vanished. It was just they and Jesus and the empty summit. 
The disciples had come that close to God and had lived to tell about it, but not to tell about it until Jesus had been raised from the dead. Have you ever been given a gift that you did not deserve, an honor of which you were unworthy, only to discover that the gift itself was so magnificent as to require a response from you that you were utterly unable to give. Imagine being picked out of the crowd and being asked to hold in your hands something so precious that if you dropped it or Even if you squeezed it too tightly and crushed it, the very light of the world would go out. How long before the privilege and honor of being chosen would give way to the doubt and fear of failure? At what point would the significance of what was being asked of you become so burdensome as to guarantee your inability to fulfill that responsibility? Jesus Christ is God incarnate. In him, God became flesh so that our flesh might contain even the light of the world. Jesus has come to invite you to go up on that mountaintop and kneel down beside him in prayer until not only his face shines like the sun, but until your face begins to shine too. When the voice of God Almighty thunders from the cloud and declares, this is my child, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased, God is speaking those words to you, declaring that you, too, are God's beloved child. Because you belong to Christ, to the one who has invited you to go up on that mountain, God is handing you the very light of the world so that it might shine from within you and give light to others. But how will any of us ever stand there and receive it, and embrace it, and let it shine without being overcome with fear that we might drop it, or crush it, or dash it to pieces. The truth is that it's easier to fall down in the dirt and hide from that light until it has passed us by. Following Jesus seems like a good idea, until it's our turn to bear that light for Jesus' sake and for the sake of the world. What happens if we're not strong enough or good enough or holy enough to carry that light? There's no hiding on that mountaintop because Jesus isn't only a wise teacher or a holy example. He's the very son of man, the divine Judge who comes in the glory of God to judge the living and the dead. We cannot encounter the glory of Jesus Christ without also hearing that same thunderous voice, that voice that goes right through us, shaking us to our very core. And yet, and yet it is Christ himself who makes us worthy, worthy to receive that light, 
worthy to bear that light. He makes us worthy with a worthiness that we can only behold in the light of his resurrection. Tell no one about the vision until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead, Jesus says to the disciples on their way back down the mountain. Why? Why wait until then, until after it's almost all over? Because none of us is prepared to accept the glory that we have been given or to accept the awesome responsibility that comes with it until we have seen God's victory in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is our weakness, our failings, our incapacity, our sin that God has defeated once and for all in the empty tomb. Because he is risen, we are worthy to receive that light. Because he is risen, we are able to bear that light to the world. Only because of the resurrection of Jesus are we now prepared to journey up that mountain with him and let his light shine from within us. Contemporary Christians tend to emphasize our role in the story of salvation. What are we supposed to believe? And what good works are we supposed to do? When we hear the story, we tend to focus on Peter and ask ourselves, what would we do if we were in his place? But the invitation that God gives us in Jesus Christ is to allow Christ's work and Christ's faith to stand in the place of our own. If our sin is what took him to the cross, then it is God's victory over sin that shines forth from the empty tomb. Without the resurrection, we could never be worthy of the gift that we have been given. And yet, standing there in the light of our own redemption, we know that nothing can ever take it away from us. Thanks be to God. Amen.